You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. And I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1136. There's a major problem in the world today. It's not that people disagree with one another, but that they can't disagree agreeably, civilly, and persuasively. That's why I've invited Bob Berg to discuss how his book, The Go-Giver Influencer, helps leaders find common ground with the people that they lead. Bob, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Hey, thank you, Richard. So great to be with you. I'm looking forward to this conversation, and I wonder if we could start by maybe... I could ask you, you know, how can people easily, especially leaders, because our audience are CEOs and business owners across North America, but how can they easily find common ground to address those difficult issues in a professional way, Bob? Well, I, you know, I think when we have, with, with anyone in any position, whenever we have disagreements, you know, these days we almost tend to dehumanize the, the person with whom we have this disagreement. <laughs> you know, it, 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 uh, on a political level, it's almost it's God from uh, I'm right, you're wrong, to I'm right, you're evil. Well, it's not often that so much that in the uh, the corporate environment, although sometimes it certainly is. But when it comes to a, a, a leader relating to someone who they're leading, the the best leaders always understand that in order to find this common ground, they first have to have an understanding of what this other person is is looking to accomplish. What do you mean by that? Okay, so you know we talk about influence, and and on a, a very very basic level, influence is the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. And obviously, a leader wants the people who he or she is leading to uh, conduct business in a certain way, take a certain action, uh, shoot for certain goals, and so forth. But it's very important for that leader to understand that if they're looking to gain that person's commitment as opposed to compliance, and compliance is uh, compliance rarely lasts, okay? It, it, you know, it only lasts for as long as that person has to listen to you. And even then, typically the person's not going to put their, their full self into what they're doing. So the great leader always asks themselves questions such as, how does what I'm asking this person to do, how does it align with their goals, uh, with their needs, with their wants, with their desires? How does what I want this person to do, how does it align with their values. And when asking ourselves these questions thoughtfully, intelligently, genuinely, authentically, not as a way to you know, manipulate or coerce a person into doing what we want them to do, but as a way of building everyone in the process, that's where the leader is able to gain that person's commitment. Excellent. So we're talking with Bob Berg, uh, author of The Go-Giver Influencer. Before I go any further, I want to ask you about the inspiration for writing the book, but let's start with the title of the book. How did you define and develop and select this as the title, Bob? Well, this is the uh, third book in the Go-Giver series uh, by my co-author, John David Mann and me. And the, the, the go-giver is, and again, it's a, it's a business parable. The first one was written mainly for entrepreneurs. And the, the basic premise of the go-giver is that shifting your focus, and this is the key, shifting your focus from getting to 
giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others, understanding that not only is this a more pleasant way of conducting business, it's actually the most financially profitable way as well. And so, you know, after all, no one's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet, right? They're not going to buy from you because you need the money or even because you're a nice person. They're going to do business with you. They're going to buy from you. They're going to follow you, what have you, because they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so. So on a very logical level, it makes sense that when you focus on this other person, when you move from what we call an I-focus or me-focus to an other focus. This is where that person is much more likely to know you, to like you, to trust you. And so that's really the, the premise of the Go-Giver series. So we have the Go-Giver and the Go-Giver leader and, and now the Go-Giver influencer. Influence has always been a part of the Go-Giver series, but we just sort of wanted to take it to a deeper level uh, now, which is why we wrote this book. So let's talk about some of the content. Yeah, maybe you can share with our audience, again, which are business leaders from across the country, the five secrets of genuine influence. Mm-hmm. Well, the first one is to master your emotions. And this is really where it all begins, because it's only when we're in control of our emotions, when we're in control of ourselves, that we're even in a position to take a a potentially negative situation or person and turn it into a win for everyone involved. Now, we all know this, yet how often do we, based on what someone else says or does, do we allow that to to push our emotional hot buttons and, and we cause ourselves to, to get uh, you know, frustrated or impatient or angry, what have you, and we say or do something that is going to get the total opposite results of what we want. We say, well, you know, we know we do that. We people do that. Why? Because we're human beings, mm-hmm. and human beings are emotional creatures, right? We, you know, we'd like to think we're logical, and to a certain extent we are, but we're pretty emotion-driven. We make major decisions based on emotion, and we back up those emotional decisions with logic. We rationalize, which simply means we tell ourselves rational lies. <laughs> and so, you know, what happens is if your emotions are mastering you as opposed to you mastering your emotions, you're in trouble. You're not going to be an effective leader. Right. You cannot be an effective leader. So we're not saying deny your emotions or forego your emotions. We're just saying control your emotions. Uh, one of my great friends, a great leadership speaker, Dondi Scumachi, she puts it this way, take your emotions along for the ride, but make sure you are driving the car. Okay. So the first step is mastering your emotions, especially important in a leader. Okay. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, the second one is to step into the other person's shoes. Now, we, you know, we've all heard this before. It sounds rather trite. It also sounds easy until you realize that we all have different size feet. Mm. And so we can't necessarily step into another person's shoes, or we can't necessarily step into their head. We don't know what they're thinking. We often think we do, but we don't, because as human beings, we come from different belief systems, models of the world, ways of seeing the world, but we tend to believe that other people see the world basically the same way we do which you know, makes sense when you think about it because it's all we know. How else could someone see the world? This is why you hear people say things like, oh, everybody would like that, right? or no, no one wants that. Or, well, but that's not true. It, it, we're talking about ourselves, not, not others. So most conflict happens because two or more people see the same basic thing from different viewpoints. 
So what we need to do in order to step into that person's shoes is to ask questions and then listen and really listen, not not listen with our, our ears. That's, you know, that's the surface listening most people do. That's listening in order to talk. It's, it's giving this person their two cents so that we can get in our ten cents. Okay, and again, it's just not very effective. So what one of the characters in the book tells us is protege is don't just listen with your ears, listen with your eyes, listen with your posture, listen with the back of your neck. In other words, put your entire being into listening, and, and two things will happen. One is you really will have a lot more knowledge about this person. So you'll know what drives this person, what motivates this person, how you can add value to this person. Secondly, the other person will feel heard. They'll feel listened to. And it's, it's such a, a basic need of people to feel understood, to feel listened to, to feel as though someone cares. They're much more likely to feel good about you, to trust you, and to buy into your ideas. So we're talking with Bob Berg. He is the author of The Go-Giver Influencer. You know, when you say step in the other person's shoes and truly listen, I'm thinking it's a circular loop, though, because it goes back to your first point, which is while you're doing that, you must remain the master of your emotions. Ah, absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. So that's two of the five secrets of genuine influence. Yeah. Uh, number three is to set the proper frame. This is so key. When you set the frame correctly, uh, you're really 90% of the way there to, to the results you want. A frame is simply the foundation from which everything else evolves. Best example of a frame I ever saw had nothing to do with the business. It was three or four years ago. Uh, I was having coffee in a Dunkin' Donuts restaurant, and there was a little boy, maybe two, two and a half years old, a little toddler, and he was running around the restaurant when his parents called him back over to the table. So he starts to walk over to the table. When he slips, he falls on the floor. Now, he didn't hurt himself, you could tell, but you could also tell he was shocked. He was surprised. This most likely had never happened to him before. So the first thing he does, of course, he looks toward his, his parents to, to get their interpretation of the event. Okay, You know, what happened, happened. Well, what do I do now? What, what's next? Well, I really believe that had the parents gotten upset or panicky or, you know, oh, no, are you okay? He'd have started to cry. But what they did is they really handled it beautifully. They, uh, they walked over quickly but very calmly. Uh, they smiled and they applauded and they laughed and they said, oh, what a good trick. That looks like so much fun. And immediately the little boy began to laugh. Well, what the parents did is they set a a productive frame from which he could operate. And so this is something we can do whenever we meet someone. So just by the way we greet them or the, the way we open the conversation or the way we make them feel uh, is setting a, a proper frame. The, the tricky part is resetting a negative frame that someone comes in with. Uh, let just very, very, a very quick example uh, in the sales vernacular. Uh, you're, you're about to do a presentation for a prospect. She seems very defensive or, you know, uh, uh, 
very uptight and lets you know that she's not an easy sale and blah, blah, you know what have you. And and you know, who knows what's what's going on? If she had a bad experience with a salesperson, if she doesn't trust herself, and you know, who knows? But what we want to do, but that's a frame. If we buy into that frame, then it's it's not a pleasant situation. It's probably not going to result in a in a sale, and she's not going to have the benefits of your product or service. So you might reframe it by saying something like, you know, Mary. While we've been able to help a lot of people with this product, uh, whether or not it's the right solution for you, we simply can't know without exploring deeper and determining whether it meets your needs. So please know our conversation is for both of us to discover this. And if it does, great. If not, that's okay, too. So what we've done, we've reframed this from an adversarial type of situation to one of two allies, both looking for the same result, what's best for her. Excellent. So that was part number three, and there are two more to go in the genuine secrets of influence. Yeah. Uh, number four is to communicate with tact and empathy. Uh, my dad has always defined tact as the language of strength. And I've always enjoyed that definition because to me it takes a mighty person, it takes a strong person to not just react when someone says or does something that pushes your buttons or to not just send back a, a nasty email to you know when something upsets you or to not right. And so so tact is really a way of communicating an idea or point to someone who, who may not ordinarily be uh, you know, receptive to it. But doing it in such a way that not only is this person not defensive toward you and resistant to your idea, but they're open to you and they're more accepting of your idea. And this is what tact allows us to do. And for that to happen, we need to have empathy. We need to, uh, uh, to do our best to, uh, to, to feel what this other person's feeling. And, and by the way, even if we can't, we may not understand how they feel. Our experiences may be different than them, but we can still communicate through what we say or how we say it or just how we show up. We can communicate that we understand they're feeling something and that this something is distressful to them and we're there to help them work through it. Okay, let's get the last secret of genuine influence from Bob Burke, author of <laughs> The Go-Giver Influencer. Well, this is let go of having to be right. And this one sounds counterintuitive because, well, if we're talking about influence, don't we want to be right? Well, of course we do. Uh, so letting go of having to be right doesn't mean we don't care about being right. No, we're going to prepare to be right. We're going to do our best. To, no, it means we let go of the attachment to having to be right or to be 100% right. And what that means is that we can open ourselves up to other viewpoints and other ideas. That doesn't mean we have to accept them. But at least we open up to the idea so that we can learn more. And this is, you know, this, what this does is it allows us to go into learning mode in which we're going to increase our knowledge. This as opposed to the person who is so attached to having to be right. And we all know people like this, right, who have to be right even when they know they're wrong. They still have to be right. And we don't respect them, and they're not more influential. If anything, they're less so. But that's when they follow. You know, these kind of people are the ones I, I describe as, uh, you know, my mind's made up. Don't confuse me with the facts. Mm -hmm. And so when you can let go of having to be right, not only do you learn more, so you're more equipped to be right, but this other person, when they see they're dealing with someone who is not just looking to be right at all costs, not looking to be right by making them wrong, 
they have a lot more respect for you, and they're much more likely to, again, buy into your ideas. Well, that sounds like it goes right back to the open when you said not only, especially in the political world, are, are we disagreeing and I'm right and you're wrong, but I'm right and you're evil. So that that sounds like uh, <laughs> that, that really gets grounded back into that first thing that we talked about here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Yeah, I've got a few minutes left with you, but I, I was curious if you could share the one sentence from your experience, the one sentence that is guaranteed to prevent misunderstanding. Yeah, and and this goes back to belief systems, in a sense, stepping into the other person's shoes, not assuming we know what another person's thinking. Let's say there's a a, uh, uh, team leader who has three people on their team. The team leader calls them together and says, it's Monday morning, says, hey, there's been a change. The client needs this product completed as soon as possible, so you've got to get your work in as soon as possible. Okay, everyone understand? Everyone says, absolutely. It's Wednesday afternoon, end of day, 5 o'clock. Only one person has their their work completed. The the team leader says, but I said as soon as possible. What happened? Well, the one person has been on his team, so he knows that when when the team leader says as soon as possible, it means drop everything, get this done uh, within a couple of days. Another person comes from another team within the company, and as soon as possible means complete the work you're already doing, then get this other work done. Another person on the team comes from a whole different company where as soon as possible meant absolutely nothing. Give it lip service and just keep doing what you're already doing. So you've got four different, four people, you've got three different definitions of as soon as possible, okay? So what you would do, let's say you're, you're one of the team members and you're a genuine influencer, you would say to the team leader when, when he says as soon as possible, you might say, hey Dave, just for my own clarification, and that's the tact part, just for my own clarification, when you say as soon as possible, is there a specific day or time uh, that you're thinking of? And then the team leader would say, yes, uh, end of day, Wednesday, 5 o'clock. Now, you might say, well, why didn't the team leader just say that in the first place? And my answer is, I don't know. Why do people not communicate you know, correctly? <laughs> what happens is most people don't realize that their definition of a thing isn't necessarily someone else's definition of a thing. So the, the way to keep a, the, the one sentence basically to keep misunderstandings from happening is to in some way ask that person to define what they mean or just explain what they, what they mean. When you say so-and-so, uh, what exactly do you, you know, and you do it in a way that's kind and, and uh, tactful. The key is this, that to, to not assume that you ever know what someone else is actually thinking by what they say, and to not assume they know what you're thinking by what you say, because you don't and they don't. So if you're genuinely interested in the expectation that the person has by asking them to clarify it, you're genuinely wanting to know so that you can meet their expectation. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And again, as long as you say it with tact... Uh, as opposed to in a you know a wise guy <laughs> right and it's always going to be accepted right right well that's awesome well, I wish we had more time with you but if someone would like to learn more about what you do because I know you're a keynote speaker as well as an author um, where where would you suggest they go to learn more about you Bob Berg but also maybe to discover more about the books that you have co-written sure they can go to Berg and that's b u r g dot com and everything's there. Well, that was simple. Thank you for being a friend of the Critical Mass Radio Show and a part of our ever-expanding community here on octalkradio.net. Richard, thank you. Appreciate you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you.
I'd also like to thank our engineer for today, none other than Paul Roberts, our producers without whom we could not do this show, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you'd like to connect with me, I'd say let's start on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me as Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until the next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.